888-835-2414. This is Learning with Leslie. Welcome to another episode of Learning with Leslie, the podcast where you learn, I learn, we all learn about how to build an online business with a blog. No, I'm not talking about one of those blogs that will fall by the wayside when Google has a mood swing. I'm talking about one that will thrive no matter what gets thrown at it. I'm your host, Leslie Samuel from becomeablogger.com, where we're changing the world one blog at a time. And as usual, I have another exciting interview for you today. I'm on the line with none other than Adam Ali, a brand marketer living in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. His passion lies in motivating others to reach their personal best. He is the founder of IWon'tLose.com, a brand whose sole intent is to inspire and motivate the masses. He did this through his motivational videos posted on YouTube and as a result has been featured on major outlets like NBA TV, CBC Television, CP24 and many other social media and many other media platforms. Now he runs a digital marketing agency called IWL Agency where he helps online influencers and brands raise their social presence online through using social media strategic one of his main platforms of focus is YouTube, so I brought him on here to talk about how to grow a YouTube channel. So YouTube, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Adam, my man, how you doing, man? Good to have you on here. I'm fabulous. Thanks for having me. How are you today? I can't complain, man. I'm doing well. So the background for those of uh, the listeners that are curious, we connected in St. Martin. You're the pers- first person I've had on this podcast, I think, that I connected with in St. Martin. You were down there uh, with LaToya doing uh, 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 an event that was going on by the tourism industry. And I was actually, as a result of that, I was curious about your background and how you got into all the stuff that you're doing. So I, th- I figured I got to get you on the show, man. So I'm glad to have you here. It's it's an honor. Thanks so much for thinking of me and having me here. I'm not excited. A, not a problem. Okay, so I want to actually go back in time, way back before YouTube. At least before YouTube, your involvement with YouTube and getting into social media strategy and all that stuff. Where were you before you got started? Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, I was just a typical personal trainer at your local gym. And, um, you know, I got repetitive just going to the gym, training people, and I knew I wanted to do something bigger than that. I knew I wanted to stand out. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I would go on YouTube to see what people were doing, get ideas, and I just felt like, you know, I could do something like this. And I just uh, strategically actually created a, my first video with a, with a great video producer. Um, and, it was, and I wanted to do something special. I wanted to tell stories. I didn't want to just work out. Um, and just show how much I can lift. I wanted to create a story that when you watch the video, you got inspired to want to work out or pursue whatever you know you're you're chasing in life. So we put together this really cool story, uh, and it was a four-part story video. And the first video went really well, and that kind of inspired me to keep going. So by the third video, that video went viral, and then that's when my channel, YouTube.com/slash/IWon'tLose, kind of took took uh, took over i mean not took over but just it just definitely grew and um i started getting sponsorships from other fitness brands um and to close that series i was thinking okay how can i top this video that just went viral i decided to go to tanzania which is my background 
and go climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Oh, Keep in wow. mind, I've, I've never climbed anything. I didn't even really train for this. But um, it was all mental, and and I envisioned myself getting to the top of the mountain even before I got there, and, and that's exactly what I did. I went there, and I climbed the mountain. It was definitely the hardest physically thing I've ever done, for sure. Um, but yeah, and then I, I, I call that video Touch the Sky, and it was well-received online. Um, and then I continued being in the fitness space for a while. Now, now, before you even move on to being in the fitness space, because I'm really curious yeah. about this first part. Now, a lot of people, when they think, I want to get started on YouTube, they pull out a camera and they start talking. <laughs> right? yeah. they, they do something very simple. But it sounds like you, you came at this from like a different angle. You wanted this to be something special. Special. I'm curious. The first video. What was in? The, like, what was the video actually about? So the first video, again, it's very cinematic. It was shot high quality, um, and the whole storyline of the very first video is me waking up around like four or five a.m. and you know showing that, that that dedication of waking up to go for that morning run, and um, you see me getting. And uh, just getting locked in, tuned, tuned in, and I go. I start my day with this with this workout, mm. um, and then it leads me to the gym. And there's just like this this crazy music, full of energy, and a lot of people just got pumped out of it. It wasn't your typical like, "Hey guys, I'm here at the gym right now. Today we're gonna <laughs> work on our chest, you know, chest muscle group." It was a it was a storyline, and the music kind of really pushed that story and got people really pumped up and inspired. That, that, that's really cool. Okay, so video number three, that's the one that you said went viral. What, what was in that video? Because this was before the Kilimanjaro thing, so I'm curious. Yes. What, what was so, so that, special about that one? That video was called Dear Hard Work. So I narrated that video, and I felt like because I kind of poured my heart out, it really resonated with a lot of people, and they could relate to it. So it was a, it was a letter to hard work. And it was very poetic, and people really like that. That is definitely my biggest video that I've ever produced t till this day. Uh, yeah, it was just my letter to hard work, and a lot of people, like I said, resonated to it because now they felt like, you know what, I've been afraid of hard work, but it really isn't a bad thing. Only it can only lead to pro progress or you know gains and results. I love it. So, so what I'm pulling out of this so far. It's creativity, really. It, it's not the, all right, so in this video, we're going to talk about how to get ripped abs or anything mm -hmm. of that sort. It's it's how can I approach this from a creative uh, perspective and tell a story. So if somebody's listening to this right now, I want you to think about how you can apply that to what you are doing online. Mm -hmm. So you, you get through these. I, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, that, and there's nothing wrong with you know, how to get abs, because it's important as well to find out what are people searching, right? You can True. be as creative as you want, but if people are not really seeking that, you know, th it doesn't really matter. But it just happened that people were looking for that, you know, surge of energy, that, that push. So it, it worked out. But again, there's nothing wrong with these type of videos as long as you're creating content that people are, you know, seeking. And you're not just doing it because it feels good to you only. You have to fill a void. So I filled a void where I kind of fused storytelling and mm. fitness. That was my void. I love that it. I was filling. I love it. Okay, so you, you got through these this these four part this four part series. And then where do we go from there? Then I met my my well my current my my future, my my wife right now, <laughs> and um, she's a YouTuber. She was doing her thing, and I did see some opportunities to really scale it. 
because I learned a lot from that one year of doing YouTube. And even though she was, she had more subscribers than me based because, you know, when you create comedy content, it's easier, it's easier to get a momentum to, to keep going in terms of um, building a subscriber base. So, um, so, so just to clarify, she had a comedy channel and you, you're saying you saw potential in what she was doing and you wanted to help her scale it. Is that what you, you're saying? Yes. Okay. Got so, it. And at the same time, I had a video. Idea. I was I was always thinking of how do I grow my my channel in a in a meaningful way. So I was like, you know what? I haven't. Really, I wanted to fuse comedy and fitness together. So I reached out to her, and I told her, hey, I have a I have a video concept, and it's pretty much me training you, and you're doing all of this wonky stuff, and people really loved that video for some reason. I guess it was cute and whatever. But that was like our first real interaction. Like before that, I only met her once, and then we shot the video the next time we met. Um, and that kind of just started a whole new thing. And I started giving her my advice, and that that forced that forced me to go learn things, and it really helped build her channel. And today, now she's like well over the million subscriber base, and. Um, yeah, and then I learned a lot, like I said, from just trying to grow her account that I've been able to transfer to all of these other YouTubers now now that I work with. Okay, so I'm, I'm curious about a, a number of things. Can you give me kind of a timeline? When are we thinking? Of, when is this happening? Is this a few years ago? Any concept of that? Yeah, so this is 2012, 2013. Okay. Uh, and my, my initial goal for her was to, for her to be able to make this sustainable and quit her retail job. And, you know, when you when you have a comfortable job, you're not you don't you don't want to leave it. But I really pushed her and she pushed herself. And by the end of 2013, she made that leap to quit her job and make this full time. And I think nice. when that happened, that really just allowed her to create content and not think about anything else but creating the best content that she can. And that's exactly what happened. So by the end of 2013, we were like, you know, she, she wanted to move to L.A. And now I was forced to now leave what I was doing, which is surf. I used to work in a nonprofit agency um, and I was like, OK, let's do it. And we all moved to L.A. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we drove from Toronto to L.A. for three days and we were there for three, four months only to find out that, oh, we're expecting a baby. Like, oh, wow. Yep. So that just changed everything, but in a good way. Mm -hmm. um, and we decided to come back to Toronto and she started documenting. Well, the moment she found out that she was pregnant is when she decided to pick up a camera and start vlogging her journey as a mother. Mm. Yeah. And okay. then it, the ch we, we started another channel called the Toya's Life. And that has definitely grown and has built a fan base around our lives. Nice. Okay, so a few other questions. So this was 2012, 2013. How many subscribers was that channel at at that time? Latoya Forever, like Latoya's main channel? Yeah. Um, I'm going to say about 200,000, okay. 300,000. Okay, mm -hmm. so two, two to 300,000. Now it's over a million. So obviously significant growth in that time. Um, where did things go from there? So, so now you have you have um, you're working with Latoya. You're getting her channel going. You're learning a lot in the process. Um, how how did things evolve from there? Um, we we started focusing on the the secondary channel, which was the family channel, because we seen that there was a lot more engagement. Um, people were sharing stories. They were giving advice and. 
we it was just a whole new world because vlogging was it was fairly new at that time and we just focused on building that channel and then i told her okay you can't abandon what started you which is her main channel and she you know she was a, she this is she was becoming a, well she's a mother at that time she didn't want to be goofy and funny anymore and i understood that <laughs> so we kind of parked that channel for a while and i a year passes by and I was like, okay, listen, we have to revisit this channel. Let's get this to a million. And we were able to get it to a million within a year, a year and a half, maybe most. So yeah, we got, we gained over 700,000 subscribers in about a year and a half when she got locked in and, and pushed through. And then she found content that she was comfortable doing, even though, yes, she's a mother and that still keeps it true to her channel. Okay, so 700,000 in one year is probably a number that most people are going to hear and it's going to blow their mind. Like, what in the world? So I want to kind of, I want to shift gears a little bit and I want to talk, how do we do this? How do you go from, and and let's say we don't have 200,000 or 300,000, we're just getting started. Where do we start when trying to set up and grow a successful YouTube channel? All right, I'm gonna be like, I'm just gonna throw ideas. Um, they're not gonna be in priority or anything like that. Yep, no problem. Um, so, one thing that comes to my mind right off the jump is you have to decide, at least give yourself a year of consistent content upload, right? A lot of people um, lose hope or get discouraged when they're not seeing traction, but it really takes time, especially now. The, the, the platform's very, very saturated, but at the same time, if you're consistent, YouTube will favor you or they will, um, you know, get you in that algorithm to get more, to be exposed to more, to new viewers. Okay, so, so give, re- re- really quick, actually, before we continue down this line, because I could tell you're going to give us a whole lot where that's concerned. Let's say I am thinking about starting the channel. I haven't started it yet. Mm-hmm. What should I be thinking about even before starting? I think it's very important that if you want to be a YouTuber, that you have to be a YouTube viewer first. You need to really see what other people are doing. There's there's not much that's new under the sun. And it's okay to look at other people and see how people are doing what they do. And I'm not saying they get inspired, but just see what um, what what's happening on, on the on, in the community mm-hmm. and I tell youtubers all the time even though yeah you may have X amount of subscribers you could get a lot more if you kind of have a gauge of what's happening you can't work in your own silo in the community um, so definitely become a YouTube viewer that is on YouTube live on the trending page see what is going on uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's gonna spark you know ideas it's gonna spark ways of edit delivery so you definitely have to be a viewer, a passionate viewer first, if you really want to be a great YouTuber. And I, th- I think that's a significant thing because it's easy. At, you know, I'm here in my uh, studio office downstairs in the basement. It's easy to just be focused on con- uh, creating content and not looking to see what's actually going on. So I think that's a great tip. So be a YouTube viewer first. See what's working on the platform. Analyze what others are doing. Maybe it sparks ideas. Maybe it, it gives you some um, creative ideas that you can implement in what you're going to be doing all right so i am now let's say i am viewing these videos i have a a decent idea of what's working and i'm going to continue consuming content to keep you know feeding myself with that kind of stuff anything else i need to be thinking about beforehand um now it's 
it's a, it's very important that you just take that leap. Just be, I know no one can really teach you how to be courageous, but now you, you just go and just press publish. You create content, you just go out there and tweak as you go. If you're thinking it's going to be perfect off the jump, and even if you think at that moment it's perfect, you're going to look back a year or two from now and be like, <laughs> what was I doing? But at that moment, it was probably phenomenal content to you. So just keep going and tweak as you go. And that's part of the journey. That's that's part of the process is just creating content from where you are and you'll get better as time goes. So just taking that leap of faith to just put it out there, get feedback and tweak as you go. All right. I, I love that. I love that. Okay. So now we've started. You said you need to decide to give yourself at least a year of consistent uploads. Talk some more about where do we go from there? We're, we, we've decided, hey, I'm going to actually, before we move on from there, consistent uploads. What, what, what is consistent? How many times a week? How, how often should you be publishing content? Uh, is there, do you have an, uh, any ideas on that? Yes. Um, now, it's very important that you, you do something that you can really keep up to in terms of up your, your frequency. Um, I'm not going to say upload X amount of time. It's just not possible for your schedule, especially students Right. You have to you have to come up with something that is right for you. And then, you know, once that become once you hone that upload schedule for a while, then you can add an extra day. Um, it's so easy to get burnt out, especially with YouTube. Um, so it's important that you select something that works for you currently and add as many days as you can as time goes by. So I really don't have a specific day. I mean, YouTube does like people who upload frequently on a mm-hmm. consistent basis, but the, you don't want to burn yourself out, right? A year from now where you're like, I don't even want to do this anymore. <laughs> you lose the passion for it. So if it's once a week, make sure it's once a week on that specific day. That way you put people on a schedule and in a routine to always come back to expect your content. If it's twice, that's fine. Um, so I don't have a, I've, I don't have an exact date. I, I think what you need to focus is focus on is, the longevity of your YouTube presence. How long do you want to be here without being burnt out? So focus on that from the jump and you can add days as time goes by. I love that. So I'm, I'm curious then, uh, back then in 2012, 2013, how often were you guys publishing? Uh, and the year that you decided, hey, we, we really want to grow this and you grew it by over 700,000. Uh, how often were you publishing back then? And not as a, 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 a means of saying this is how much you should publish, but I'm just curious as to how you did it. Um, for her channel, the the main channel, Latoya Forever, she she was posting about twice a week. Okay, twice a week. Um, and but the production of her content, I mean, we wanted to post more, but the production of each video was pretty long. Yeah, and it, one of the video styles that we were doing required animations, so it was almost it was it was hard just even getting one video out. So we were <laughs> aiming for two videos. Gotcha. But it definitely converted because the production was there. Awesome. Okay, so consistent upload. Uh, choose a frequency that works well for you. Hone that down. And once you've honed that, then you can consider growing from there in terms of the number of times you publish uh, per week. Yes, a lot of experts say minimum three times. But I, I, can't, I don't agree with that because, yes, the, algor- the YouTube algorithm will favors that. But... At the end of the day, we're humans. We're not robots, right? So if, if it's going to burn you out, then there's no point. 
Makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. Consistent upload point number one. What's next? Uh, I'm going to say that you create, you foster a community, right? Make people, if you can't create content that makes people feel something that your career, your, your time on YouTube is going to be very short. You really got to focus on now fostering a community because they're the people who's going to champion your content, share your content. Um, so foster a community where you throw it back at them. You get their input. You're asking for advice, comments, um, let them engage. I think where Latoya has thrived is creating this community of passionate, opinionated people uh, <laughs> who have every you know every opportunity they have. They want to dissect everything, and um, I would definitely focus on fostering a community. So I, I I think that's a huge deal, especially in today's day um, where community is such a big thing online, and we have all these tools and resources to enable that. So I I wanna I wanna talk more about that. Some tips for fostering that community. Now you said she asked them for advice and comments and that kind of stuff, and I think that's something that people generally do. Hey, if you uh, if you have a comment or a question, leave it here and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of the community aspect, mm-hmm. what what are some things that she does or that you've done or that the, the, the brands that you work with have done specifically to foster that on YouTube? On YouTube. Um, two things that come to my mind is we actually do something called well, – well, we feature – a male and a female viewer every week. And we actually have them submit their photos via Latoya's app. So it's kind of cool to see who we're featuring during the week. So we, you know, we acknowledge their presence by featuring them in our video. So that's one thing. Now, when you, I want to, I want to ask about that. When you feature them, what are you featuring them for? What are you saying about them? Is it a particular aspect that you are featuring? No, we just say viewer of the week. And it's a male and a female um, who have submitted their photos, and it, to them, it's like the coolest thing, oh, right? Yeah. They get, you, you're being a, you're, you're being seen by, I guess, all of these viewers, hundred thousand plus viewers every video, so they're excited about that. So we we acknowledge their presence and. We, 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 we get them involved in the, in the content that we make. And is that a part of like a regular video? Is it a special video just featuring no, them? It's regular. We do it once a week. Nice. I love that. Yeah. Second thing that we do is um, we respond back to at least minimum 40 to 50 comments every video. Now, keep in mind, we get uh, thousands of, well, between 500 to maybe 1,500 comments per video. Sometimes a lot more if it's like a milestone video. But uh, we always make sure to respond back and acknowledge them a lot. Of, and this is where I feel like a lot of YouTubers are not doing. They don't really respond back to crea- um, their viewers. Yeah, and that's something that I notice all the time. It, it seems like a lot of YouTubers, especially the popular ones, they mm-hmm. publish the content and then they're gone. They come and back and gone. publish the content and then they're gone. So this is a, you know, there's something about live video. This sounds like I'm changing the topic, but I'm really not. There's something about live video where you have that interaction, where someone asks a question and you call out their name and you say, hey, this person asked that. Because I remember uh, watching a video the other day and um, I told the person that was live that my son was around, my son Noah. 
and the person called out my son's name, Noah. And you should see how he lit up in that moment. Like, oh my word, they're, they're talking to me. And he was so excited and he felt like he was a part of that video. And it sounds like what you guys are doing is kind of taking some of that and bringing it into your regular, even pre-recorded content. And I think that's pretty unique. Yeah, I mean, they they love that kind of stuff. Another thing that we do also is we screenshot, let's say, a comment that we really love, and we po- we 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 just show it in the video, like comment of the week, um, and they love that. Um, another one more other thing that we do is here and there we do um, giveaways, contests, um, and and we throw it back into the comments where they let's say, tell us the funniest joke pertaining to this vlog or this content that we made. And they are, they just engage in that. And then we give, we do a giveaway. I love that. Okay. So involve them so that it's not, yeah. And this is something that I need to think more about as I'm creating my YouTube content. How can I involve the audience more in what I'm doing? I think that's very powerful. So fostering that community is going to be very important. So consistent. Yeah, and, yeah and, Go ahead. And, and the key word here is engaging them in a non-spammy way, right? And not intrusive, not forced. It's just finding that right fine line. They know when you're just doing this because you want to get more subscribers. It has to be very authentic. And I guess only you will know what your brand is and what that balance is. And and that's up to you to find because no one can really tell you what that that what that is when you're being when you're putting out too much versus putting too little. It's up to the creator to find that balance where you come off authentic. I love that. Okay, so consistent schedule, uh, foster community. Now I'm thinking to myself and somebody might be thinking to, to themselves, um I don't have a community. I don't have a million followers or or I don't even have a thousand followers. So the question then becomes, how do you actually get people to view your content? Let's talk about that a little bit, especially if you're a, an up and coming uh, video creator. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing that comes to my mind is you want to start creating content that people care about. If you can't make people care about it, then it doesn't really matter. And how you do that is finding, looking at what people are searching, right, um, and what videos are trending, and just you know incorporating that into your content. We take a lot of trending topics and trending um, things and incorporate it into our video, and it brings a whole new flow of traffic from places that we've never even knew existed because now people are passionate about this specific topic. Um, yeah, it's just talking about things that matter to people and things that people care about. And then, you know, using the YouTube system in terms of writing the perfect title that people, you know, people are gonna be engaging with. And I'm not saying be clickbait, but something that sparks interest, something that is that makes it very irresistible that you wanna click this because that means, that's important to you to find out. A tip that I recently learned is that um, to, to throw the word you in your title, like what do you think of this? And when you read that, it's like, oh, you feel almost that you that they that you need to answer this question, or you want to find out why, or you want to in, give input, um, and then write good descriptions, and just use the YouTube system because the YouTube system is designed to to, to help you just get discovered through search. Okay, so, so yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no I, go ahead. I, I, 
I, I don't want to assume that anyone listens listening to this understands the YouTube system and the YouTube algorithm. Uh, so mm. I want I want you to talk a little more about that in terms of I don't have any subscribers. Let's say I don't have any subscribers. Is that really going to do anything for me? You know, when I create content on my blog, if I don't have subscribers, I need to go out there and share and do all these kinds of things. So how does it work with YouTube if I'm a new content creator? Does that matter? Does that influence how I rank and so on? So talk a little bit about that. Well, this yeah, there, there there is a system that it, it, its sole intent is to get your content um, discovered, and you do that by putting the right keywords. And what I mean by keywords is like, um, if I don't know, Trump is a hot topic right now. You 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 know you incorporate Trump somehow in your in your content, and you throw it somewhere in the title, the description, the tags, um, and then YouTube starts pushing it towards people who are searching about Trump. Um, and so you really have to figure, you got to really put out content that, uh, that, that will get pushed to the, what people are searching. Um, follow the trending page. Like you should wake up every morning if you're a YouTuber and see what's trending. And maybe you can incorporate that, incorporate that into your, into your video, F- create content around tags and challenges, um, to, to build momentum for your channel. And there's nothing wrong, even though, yeah, they may be kind of kind of corny and cheesy but if you if you could spin it in a way where you know it's still authentic to you that's fine that's yeah. how you're going to get discovered and i'm not saying that you got to just do trending stuff but you got to definitely do content that people care about mm. and the the reason why it's trending is because people care about it right now and that's how you'll get discovered yeah, I, I find it interesting that even though the channel has over a million subscribers and, you know, you obviously have people that have said, I want to be notified whenever you create content, you're still focusing on these things because it's still about growth and it's still about giving people exactly what they want. So I think that's pretty awesome. Uh, now, our- let me add something on that. Yeah, so go ahead. YouTube, YouTube used to be all about subscribers. I, I, what I mean by that, sorry, is YouTube. YouTubers felt because they had a you know X amount of subscribers, they always felt like they should be getting X amount of views because of their subscribers. Their subscribers, but YouTube re- recently changed that. They don't they don't really care how much subscribers you have anymore. They care about c- your your content now. So just because you have a million viewers and subscribers does not mean you're going to get even ten percent of that mm-hmm. from your subscribers. Because if you're not creating content that they can push to certain places then it doesn't really matter anymore. So it's really about creating content to get discovered now. Mm. Does that make any sense? No, that, that makes perfect sense. Because when I go on YouTube these days, I've been noticing it a lot more recently. I will see videos that have tons of views that are talking about trending topics. And when I look at the creator of that video, they don't really have that many subscribers. So it's almost, right. I, I don't want to, I wouldn't say that subscribers don't matter anymore. But it's almost as if there is much more emphasis placed on the actual content, content than ever Absolutely. before. Oh, that's facts. I mean, the only reason I feel like subscribers even matter now is because it's a metric for brands. Like when brands want to work with influencers, they kind of look at that. But it, besides that, now I almost feel like it's pointless because YouTube cares about the content more than how much subscribers you have now. So for those who are starting off, I wouldn't be discouraged at all because now you're in the playing field. Before, yeah, it used to be very 
much about how much subscribers you have and how many subscribers you have and and how that will influence you getting pushed. But YouTube no longer really pushes you based on how much subscribers you have. No, but but the subscriber count does influence the number of views that you have, right? In terms of like, let's say I subscribe to your channel, I turn on notifications, I get an alert when you publish content. So it's almost as if the subscribers is so that you can have faster views on that content when you just publish. At, at least that's the way it seems to me. What are your thoughts where that's concerned? That's what it appears to seem, but it really isn't like that anymore. So there's three layers of subscription, pretty much. Someone hits the, number one, people hit the subscribe button, which doesn't really mean much because people hit the subscribe button a lot. The second layer to that is they hit the bell. Now you're telling the YouTube system that, hey, please notify me. But at the same time, let's say in your settings, you don't have the always um, checked off then you won't even be notified all the time. So it really boils back to your content. Mm. Because people, YouTube realized that even though when people hit the bell, a lot of people were getting annoyed and they would just turn it off <laughs> because they're, they're, you know, I don't know why. But um, well, well, well actually, th this is something that I've done. So I'm like a, a testimony to that exact fact because I subscribe to people, I turn on notifications, but I don't want to be notified when I'm doing work. So I actually turn off notifications on the app, in, in j just the total app. So yeah. I'm a good example of exactly what you're talking about right now. Yeah, so YouTube has done their, their research and they realize that they put all these layers for a reason and it now boils down to the content. So it's all about search and discovery now and how you're going to be suggested on the right-hand side now uh, when you're watching YouTube. So again, it boils down to your content. It really isn't much about subscribers anymore. So I, I think that the person that's listening to this that thinks, man, I don't have a lot of subscribers, they should be encouraged at this oh, point. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. YouTube has changed the game. I'm not going to say for the better, but it definitely has encouraged it to be a more um, efficient system for all. Got it, got it. Now, what about um, using other platforms to get exposure to your YouTube channel? Is that something you guys have focused on a lot or not so much? Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Absolutely, yeah. We definitely have a, a strategy um, around our social media that pretty much funnels everything back to our YouTube channel because ultimately that's where we generate um, our income not just through AdSense, but through through the brands that we work with. So yeah, when we create content on Facebook, Instagram, well, let's say, let's assume we create a video on YouTube. We definitely create supporting content across the board that pretty much the intent is to funnel it back to people to watch the video, our, our subscribers and viewers to watch the video. So we definitely have an overall social media strategy on how we do that um, on a consistent basis. So what, what kind of supporting content? Give me some examples. Let's say you just published a video on YouTube. What will you do on these spe on specific platforms? Okay, so for Snapchat, we'll let everybody know beforehand that, hey, guys, you don't want to miss today's video that's coming out at the, this specific time. So that's sort of the teaser. Then we, tell, we come back to Snapchat and say, hey, guys, just drop the video. Um, click, press here to watch it now. Um, so that's Snapchat. Then we Instagram, we do the same thing with the stories. Sometimes we even put a, vi uh, sorry, a, a teaser video on the accounts so that people can get it, sparse interest, they go watch the video. And the teaser Face video, just really quick, is that like uh, an excerpt from the longer video that's on YouTube? Yes, we take some of our favorite parts, but not given everything, 
Um, and again, trying to make it as irresistible that they need to figure this out or go, go there pretty much. Um, and then we take that snippet and we post it on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, we use another platform called Keek, keek.com. You can check them out. Um, Wait, keep.com, K-E-E-P? K-E-E-K. And what's that? It's just a video, Thirty, I think it's 36 seconds. They're not as, I guess, cool anymore when they, when they first came out several years, but we have a big following there, so we keep putting content there. Got it. Uh, and we definitely now also started uploading these teasers onto Twitter. So instead of just putting a link, why not just put a video? And we all know video converts better than text. So we upload the, the, the teaser onto Twitter as well. All right. So you have this teaser that you are uploading on maybe Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. And, and I think the, the idea for Facebook with a short video is great because if you post just a YouTube link on Facebook, you're not going to get any visibility on that. Oh, no. they You know, the Facebook no, knows YouTube is their competitor. Exactly. So they're not going to try to drive any traffic externally. They want native uploads. And as a matter of fact, the last several weeks, we've been natively uploading our entire videos onto Facebook. And the reason behind that is, you know, initially I thought like, oh, why would I do that? Because um, that's going to take views away from my YouTube channel. But then I looked, I dived into the analytics of YouTube and I realized only 1% of our views comes from Facebook. Uh so it wasn't really like it was driving a lot of traffic anyway. So I was like, let me just watch this video here. I mean, sorry, upload the our video onto Facebook natively. And if they really want more, they, they'll come back. They'll come to our YouTube channel willingly. That, that just makes perfect sense. Now, I'm curious about for, first with the, TV, the, the teaser videos and then with this uh, entire video on Facebook – What's your call to action or how, how do you do the call to action? Do you have it actually on the video itself? Is it just in the copy, the description that you post there? Um, tell us a little more about that. Okay. It's a, it's a little tactic that we use and I'm not 100% sure if it works, but I, like, like you said, we know that you, Facebook does not want any YouTube links yeah. on their platform. So we pretty much just um, use like a bit.ly link. To, to kind of mask the YouTube link and we share the bit.ly link on the in the caption in, in the caption of the video um, Sometimes I don't know if this works, but I was told by other creators to try this we have done This is just upload. I mean paste the YouTube link in the comments mm-hmm. um, Yeah, that's pretty much it Cool, cool. And I have heard some data on on the idea that sometimes Bitly links also get suppressed. Uh, I'm not sure, 100% sure on that, but I know that some of those URL shorteners do get penalized to a certain extent. Um, but I, I, I think it's a, a great thing to test to see, hey, where do I get the most engagement? Where do I get the most people coming over to YouTube and hitting that subscribe button? Now, uh, so like I was saying, the last several years, we were doing the teasers onto Facebook. It, it only recently, let's say a month and a half, we've been uploading the, the entire video natively. So now we don't mind having our entire YouTube video on Facebook natively. So we don't really care if they're, it's funneling into YouTube. So we're not really sharing the links anymore, if that makes any sense. Yep, that makes perfect sense. So now the question then becomes, are you uploading all of your videos now to, to Facebook? 
we have for the last month and a half we've been uploading um, our entire cat uh, every new upload we've been uploading there I do know that when I get some time probably right before the year ends I'm gonna try to upload our entire catalog I have a tool that we use it's called TubeBuddy. Yep. I'm not affiliated with them I'm not making any money you can check them out um, and they have a tool where you can do a bulk upload of your YouTube videos onto Facebook all right. So, so far what we've done is we're, we make sure that we're on a consistent schedule. Um, we are focusing on fostering community. Uh, we are optimizing our titles, our descriptions, and our tags. Uh, and we are focusing on creating the content that people actually care about. We're on other social platform, either sharing um, uh, teaser videos or posting to our stories and letting them know about the content that is being posted on YouTube or on Facebook. We're uploading the entire thing natively. At least that's what you're experimenting with now. Um, are there any other things that we need to be really thinking about if we are trying to grow an audience on YouTube? Um, yeah, I would definitely find out, you know, when you're consistent with it, you'll start seeing people who are doing what you're doing and reach out, start collaborating. Again, it's YouTube is a, is a phenomenal community of creators and it's so important that you know, you connect with them and try to collab in a meaningful way. And that's how you grow, collaboration, covering trending topics. Um, I will definitely focus on building friendships and, uh, and, and getting connected with creators. Awesome. I love it. All right. That, that, I mean, that, that's a lot of great tips. If you've been thinking about getting started on YouTube, I think you have uh, some really actionable steps that you can take, and I'm excited about that. Adam, if people want to like follow what you guys got going on, what should I tell them? Where should I send them? Yeah, keep up with us on our vlogging family channel. It's called Latoya's Life on YouTube. And, yeah, keep up with my, my myself, my wife, and our two kids as we, you know, grow this family together and deal with the dynamics of raising these two funny kids <laughs> and the dynamic between me and my wife and our friends and trying to find that balance in life. It's all fun. It's, it's exciting. Man, those kids change your life, doesn't it? Don't they? They definitely do. <laughs> oh, man, it is awesome. Well, Adam, I just want to thank you for coming on here and providing so much value, man. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. I hope everyone takes, you know, these little bits and run with it. Just start. I love that. You you heard the man. Just start. That's what it's all about. So get started. And whether that's YouTube, whether it's Facebook, whether it's blogging, whatever the case might be, I want you to take some inspiration from that. This is a time to start. A year from now, you're going to be wishing you started a year ago. Okay. That's that. <laughs> this was episode 313. If you missed anything, no worries. I got it all for you at becomeablogger.com slash 313. Everything will be there. So you don't have to take notes while you're listening. We do it for you. Uh, other things. Okay. Blog content calendar spreadsheet. If you are creating content and you want to plan out that content so that you can have the impact you're trying to have, I want you to check out bloggingspreadsheet.com. I created a spreadsheet to help you track all of that stuff. And it's pretty awesome. Lastly, if you're looking for 
support as you build your blogging business. Maybe you have questions about the tech. Maybe you need someone to hold your hand and to guide you strategically to building your online presence with a blog. Uh, you can join my coaching club at bloggercoaching.com. That's bloggercoaching.com. Head on over there and let's get the party started. That's pretty much it for now. This is Leslie Samuel here from becomeablogger.com where we're changing the world one blog at a time. Until next time, take care and God bless. Eight 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 three five two 